a lot in common with today's guest. We both think we're funny and have spouses that would beg to differ. We both escape to the mountains with our dogs that have human names. We love to bike, and his drink of choice is Topo Chico. Mine as well, if you rim that glass with a little tagine and then toss some tequila and lime into it. Welcome to episode 133 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, relationship building, and business development. I'm your host, Julie Brown, professional speaker, author, and networking coach. And today, I am joined by my new friend, Kevin Keppel, to discuss loads of different things, including how to be awesomer. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. So, who is this Kevin person, you ask? Well, he's a transformative business coach working with business owners and executives to help them create clarity in their business, massive impact with their leadership, and freedom in their lives. He is also the host of the Unlock Your Freedom podcast with weekly episodes where Kevin provides step-by-step training, coaching, and accountability to leaders who want to take their life and business to the next level. Well, doesn't that sound fabulous? So without further ado, let's get started. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. What's up, Julie? <laughs> Glad to be here. Has anybody ever told you you have like the best radio voice? Yeah, I'm, I might have heard that. Uh, <laughs> like my best friend's like, dude, you have the perfect face for radio. I'm like, that's an old <laughs> joke, but screw you either way, man. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I was you. the first thing I thought when I listened to your podcast, I was like, hot damn, that is a voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to start off. I've listened to you a bunch of your podcasts. I've listened to other people interview, gone through some of your coaching programs. And you have this thing that you have said that if you want more out of life, it's not simply about doing more. It's about being more. And I'm going to come in and say, isn't that a little, let's see, against the grain of where we are right now with people saying like, burnout culture, and you are enough. And like, let's do the anti hustle. Like, Hmm. Let's just dive into that as a talking point. Yeah, I think the reason I like to repeat that frequently is so that Kevin can hear it again and again and again, because, you know, Peter Drucker has that great quote in The Efficient Executive where he said, you know, there's nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which shouldn't be done at all. And I always think like the example in my head is like, you know, my wife comes home from we're doing whatever she's doing. She's like, what'd you do all day? I was like, well, I trimmed the whole front yard by hand with a pair of scissors. Look at it. It's awesome. It took me 12 hours, perfectly uniform, but you know what? That's busy. I don't want to be busy. I want to be productive. And you know, like you mentioned, the podcast is unlock your freedom. Freedom means creating the way I want to create with who I want to create with. And if I'm simply busy, like that busyness leads to some form of resistance generally. And that resistance leads to stress, which leads to overstress. And then I bump up against people and spill out all over them and things I don't want. So Busy, not productive, I guess, would be the short answer. But isn't busy such a thing right now where it's like a badge of honor? Look how busy I am. It's a question that most people get. When you when somebody says, how are you? The two questions you're probably going to or three answers you're probably going to get are fine, good, and busy. Like, it's a badge of honor. Yeah, and I, I think that is a reaction, right? And, mm. you know, anytime we're reacting, it's like we have two choices. We can create, we can react. And if I react, that's just resistance. That's the ego. And, you know, the ego, it has to 
identify with something. And so it identifies with busy. Like, look at me, I'm busy. I'm awesome. Like, cool, man. That just means you haven't figured out a smart way to do it yet. I mean, isn't that sort of like the American way though? What I mean by that is we are brought up on a steady diet of work, 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 work. And it's, you almost feel bad if you are successful or make a lot of money in a short amount of time. Absolutely. I mean, that was my model. I mean, my grandfather worked, you know, his tail off and created, you know, a nice life for himself and his family and came from little. And my dad, you know, that was on my mom's side. My dad is a CPA and, and I don't know if you know this, but accountants love to work. Oh my gosh. Like he would work 12, 13 hours a day, like not just tax season. Like he would crush it. I never once heard him complain about work. It was his company, but I mean, you still complain even if it's your company. I and mean, it was just amazing, this model that I had. And then I felt guilty anytime I wasn't working. But if I'm constantly going, like, where's the recovery? You know, where's that regenerative stuff? And if my spring is always sprung, yeah. there's no power in it. So I have a question. This leads me to a great question. So my husband's an architect and architects very much will work extended hours and it's almost like they just love working. They love designing. They love putting, you know, it used to be pen to paper. And now it's, you know, your mouse to your Revit drawing and just needling away on things. And I always have this joke that I say most architects die at their desks. Like they just can't give up the job. And do you work with people who say, I love my job. I love what I do, but I do it too much. Yeah. I mean, pretty much everybody that I work <laughs> with, because you know, most of the clients I have are successful, but they're just feeling stuck somewhere, whether, mm -hmm. you know, it could be financially, physically, emotionally, mentally, or, you know, pretty much how I do anything is how I do everything. So mm -hmm. if I'm stuck in one area, I'm probably stuck kind of across the board. And, you know, you brought up an architect that's very similar to an accountant, like you kind of alluded to, you know, or a lawyer or an engineer or maybe a professor, mm -hmm. like any of those kind of late people, right? That acronym. Yeah. And it's because like, in my humble opinion, that they're so pragmatic and logical about everything. And that makes sense. I need to use reason and logic, of course, but if that's all I use, that's very finite, right? Because that confines me to what I know if I'm being pragmatic mm -hmm. and I want to leverage the infinite side of my nature and, you know, like that heart stuff, you know, the unlimited parts of me. And I just think that we give away so much power when we don't you know, live in that space as well. Do people who work in that logic part have a hard time tapping into the heart part? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Do you think that it's almost like if you are really on the logical side, are you not so much on the heart side or, or is it just something you haven't tapped into? Maybe a little bit of both. I think it's just, it's risky to somebody mm -hmm. who's super pragmatic to go into mm -hmm. the emotional side because it's unknown. And, you know, like anytime I'm creating, right, that's unknown and creativity is always a little, and I need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I mean, you're a business owner, you know that. Like if I, <laughs> if I have all of the answers, then I'm going to have, you know, a pretty much kind of a groundhog day life because mm -hmm. I'm sticking to what I already know. And that can cause me to live my parents' life perhaps, or to live, yeah. you know, this life that I've had forever. And the one constant we have is change. Like mm -hmm. things are going to change, right? Mm -hmm. Like, cool. So what? And that's really good news, but I need to be open to making a new decision about myself, about the world I live in. I've heard you talk a lot about this thing called the influence equation. Can you tell the listeners what the influence equation is? Sure. <laughs> 
for contrast, which gives us clarity, right? Like see Kevin and age 15 to 30, I worked it backwards, which is completely wrong go. And so I would just start with the vision as a leader. You know, I got promoted when I was in a sales role when I was young. So I was good at sales and like, you're in charge now, like sweet. So I just started telling people what to do, right? Here's the vision, go get it. And nobody cared, especially mm -hmm. when I wasn't around, right? Cause they didn't feel connected. So the influence equation, it's trust, connection, and vision. Because, you know, basically everybody's asking of a leader, which leadership is influence, according to John Maxwell, godfather of leadership, right? And if I trust you, that's great. Cause that means I feel safe around you. Okay. And unless I feel safe, I'm not going to be vulnerable. And again, creativity is mm -hmm. risky. So I have to be vulnerable to create something new. And if you want to create a championship of any kind, whether it's, you know, your professional team, a little league baseball team, the PTA or whatever, people have to grow as individuals and grow together as a team, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we co-elevate and co-create together. But if there's no trust, then there's definitely no connection. And if I don't, you know, feel safe around you and feel connected to you, I definitely don't feel connected to your vision. I sure. definitely don't really have nearly as much drive to co-create it with you. Mm -hmm. I love this next question because I talk a lot about working with people, especially around the idea of creating content around what they do. And I always call it their genius zone. And I think other people have used that term before. And you have another way of saying it. You say you help leaders align with their natural genius. So number one, what is natural genius? Number two, does everybody have it? <laughs> In that regard, I would say yes, because to me, genius has so much more to do with habits than talent, right? Because I have a certification from Gallup that coach with strength finders, right? What strength finders identifies formerly strength finders. Now it's called Clifton strengths, same exact assessment, mm -hmm. but what it identifies are your natural talents. And so of the thousands of reports that I've seen from people on this, there's always 34 talents listed, the same 34, just a different order. Okay. And what's rare is people who can use those talents on demands as strengths or superpowers. That's what's rare. And they've gotten to the habit of using, you know, their highest expression of themselves on demand. And like, you know, I'm left-handed. When I was a little Kevin, my mom's like, hey, you're left-handed. I'm like, cool. What does that mean? And she means if you learn how to write your letters, you can write left-handed and you know, whatever. And I learned how to write at age, I don't know how we are when we learned to write six or whatever. I have no clue. So, yeah, I was like, 10? Like, no, that doesn't seem right. But anyways, <laughs> like shortly, shortly like after, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was like 16. I learned to drive and write about the same time. <laughs> I was a stubborn learner. I do both left-handed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, lefties do it right. So basically my growth of that strength of writing left-handed stopped shortly after I learned how to write because I learned cursive, but I don't know how to use it anymore because I never no. write in cursive. Right. And so I don't try to develop that strength, right? It stopped and that's okay. It can be static. I don't get paid for my handwriting. But with these natural talents that we all have, like the patterns of behavior, we have the most energy. Like, that's what I want to constantly develop because I'm a new version of me every day and I could do better every day. And, you know, these are my superpowers. And so I want to make sure that I understand how to use them on demand. And so that's kind of the natural expression of our genius. What are some of these 34 natural talents? And everybody has this 34 to some degree is what you're saying? Yeah. So there's only 34 total, right? And okay. there's always 34 listed on the report. They're just in a different order. Okay. And 
Gallup has been collecting data since the early 1900s. They started out with like farming data, right? They're really good at collecting data. And they've given this assessment like 33 million times plus now. And there's like a one in 22 million percent likelihood that you'd have the same top five in the same order as somebody else. Like very, very rare. Like we okay. all know that we're different, okay. but what do we do? We play the worst game in the world, right? We play the comparison game. Yeah. I look at Julie Brown and I'm like, man, she is crushing it. She is animated. She is awesome. And I am none of those things. Right. And so I feel inferior or, you know, vice versa. I look at somebody and I'm like, oh, they can't even get the shoes on today. Like I feel superior. And like both of those are a huge disconnect. Right. And Theodore Roosevelt, Comparison is the thief of joy. Right. Like, I don't want to rob myself of joy. And it's really, really powerful though. We have this assessment. It shows our natural talents. And when I combine the different talents together and really understand what it looks like on demand, that's great because that's what gives me the balcony behavior, so to speak, which is when I'm using my talents in a positive and productive way. What's really cool about the strength learners assessment is it also shows you the basement, which is when you give all your power away with your strengths and make it all about you. And so you ask for an example, like number one strength for me is called maximizer. I love things that are awesome, like Julie Brown. She's awesome. And I want to see what the next level of Julie looks like. I want to see what the next and the next. I want to see what awesome-er looks like. And the reason she used that made-up word earlier, it's from like a podcast where yes. I broke English to title it. So thank you for doing such good homework. It was so funny. But, I loved it. <laughs> but uh, with maximizer, what that's the balcony, you know, helping people just throw more logs on the fire of their greatness, like whatever the next level of their evolution of greatness looks like. The basement on Maximizer is we get really frustrated with anything that's not awesome. It's like, why'd you even try? If you can't do right. like the best thing that's ever been done here, why are you even getting started? Yeah. But it's really cool to have these framed up for us. When I first took this, I worked in finance and positivity is my number two strength. And nobody else was very excited or positive about things. And so I would turn positivity way down. Like, well, everybody else isn't so excited. Why should I be? And that's a massive strength to have, a good mm -hmm. attitude. And, you know, just really understanding that, you know what? This assessment gave me permission to be me. Not that I needed it, but I would mm. like look at my brother, who's pretty much my direct opposite as far as talent. And I'd feel bad because he's patient and methodical and I'm not I have activators. One of my strengths. It means like, I just want to jump off the cliff, build the wings on the way down. Right. Like Johnny uh, Carson said. Yeah. I think whenever you take a test that can sort of break down why you do the things you do and tell you that you are born with those tendencies and those instincts is really helpful. I felt like that when I did my Myers-Briggs. I felt like that when I did my Enneagram test. It was just very much, uh, okay, this is who I am. And now I have to play into these strengths and recognize my weaknesses. So are you a three or a seven on the Enneagram? I'm an eight. Yeah, I thought that might be it too. Yeah. So you got to have the seven wing though, right? Like yep. to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys, you eights, man. Y'all are a handful. Like, oh, yeah. I think every CEO that I work with and I've worked with in the past was an eight. Mm -hmm. Like you guys are so yeah. interesting because you like the conflict. Like that's how y'all yep. process. You like to push and be pushed, and, yeah. but not too much, right? If you know anything about numerology, my life path, path number is a seven, but my numerologist told me I had lived my entire life 
as an eight, like trying to be an eight. Like I will not conform to the seven. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an eight for sure on the Enneagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to put this square peg into a round hole. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hammer it right in there. <laughs> Even if it yeah, and get, it, get it wedged in there real good because <laughs> why wouldn't I? It's my hole. Right. I'll do whatever I want with it. I want to go back to something you said, because I do love that quote about comparison being the thief of joy. I would love to know if you have a trick to stop comparing yourself to other people. Yeah, stop having an opinion about everything. Okay, do you have a trick to stop having an opinion to everything? (laughs) Yeah. Learn to master the skill of choosing love over fear. And you can do that by being intentional about being kind more than you're being right. You know, cause mm. like, I don't walk away from people who are right about everything and feel good about things, but kindness is such a, a high emotion and it puts you in heart coherence when you're you know in a kind place. So you're instantly connected to the infinite part of your nature just through kindness or compassion or whatever that really high regenerative feeling is, but kind as opposed to right, like that right there, that'll change your life. Kind over. I do like that. I'm going to be hundred percent transparent. I like lean more to the right side. of than the kind side. I'm like, Oh, I've got to be right about this. I've got like my Nana before she died. She was like, Oh, you always have to have the last word. I was like, what? <laughs> always have to have the last That's word. Right. Nana. Did you say something? Cut the crust off. And- <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I'd have fun. to work on that kindness thing. People say I'm I'm a nice person. Eh, eh, I beg to differ. I do kind things. I just don't think I'm an overall kind person. I don't know. I should work on that. I should, I should show, sign up for your coaching. We should just work on the kindness for me. I think you're very kind. <laughs> you don't know me that well. <laughs> well, Kindness to me means wishing, you know, happiness for others, right? Yes. Or for ourselves. I feel like you're. So I did an episode on the German word Schadenfreude, which is finding joy in other people's misery. And I tried (laughs) to wonder about myself. I'm like, do I revel in other people's misfortune? Like, I don't like, am I like, oh, karma's a bitch kind of person? I don't know. Probably a little bit. (laughs) I'll be honest, probably a little bit. Well, I want everybody listening to raise their hand if they've never had that thought in their life. And everybody that's got their hand up right now, you're a liar. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm just I'm just kidding. It's true. It's true. So I, I, I'm trying to like tap into a lot of the little nuggets I learned from you and listening to the podcasts and stuff. So I, uh, listeners, I apologize that there is not a tangent, uh, a direct line on this podcast. There is not an arc to this story we are just going in a lot of different directions it's all tangents i've heard you say that a lot of people just live in the past like that's where they exist and you want people to live in the present it just seems like a very difficult thing to do is to not constantly think about your past what you could have done what you could have said what could be different so how do you teach people to live in the present and focus on the future? Great question. So I heard this really great trick once. It's called being kind more than you're being right. And, you know, Shit. one of the ways to get there. 
Oh, you're so funny. Okay. So one of the ways that you can really practice that is by being graceful, right? You know what? There's so many things in the past I would have done differently, but there's nothing I can do about that. And that's just more ego, right? And so I need to really let go and be present to my life because otherwise one of my strengths is called futuristic. And I love to think about what could be, but if I stay stuck in the future, I get anxious, right? And anxiety is my reward. Yeah. I need to look and see where I'm going. But you know what? Like you've got to release expectations because if I have expectations of the way I should have showed up in the past or the way you should show up now, if I need myself to be a certain way to be okay, or I need you to be a certain way for me to be okay, that's going to be a really hard life. You know, but like, it's really cool that we get to go through and experience life, right? Like, and it's all over the place. But if I'm constantly thinking about what's already happened or what's going to happen, like I miss out on like the beauty of life itself. And that doesn't mean I'm, you know, infallible to this, right? Like I think about what's already happened. I think about what's coming, but you know what? Like if I need to make amends, I make amends and move on. But if I'm carrying around all this baggage from the past, dude, that's not fair. That's average. Anybody can do that. Mm -hmm. And if I want to be above average, I have to treat myself above average. And part of that is practicing the skill of being present. How can people, somebody notice if they're not present? When you're thinking about the past or thinking about the future or simple question, a you know, simple question, simple answer, I guess. Like, but what do you say about, okay, so if we're supposed to live in the present, I feel like we're constantly being told that we need to plan for the future. What are you doing for the future? What are your plans? What are your three months plans? What's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? Like we're constantly planning for the future. And then right. that's what we're told to do, aren't we? Yeah, that, the goals are great, but I'm not married to the goals I have because I created a goal with the information I have today. And until I get into action, I really don't have any feedback. Once I get into action and start getting feedback, I may realize that this isn't what I want at all. And so going back to expectations, like that's why expectations are so dangerous. Like if I expect you to do this and you don't, then you failed. Mm -hmm. If I expect you to do this and you did, then cool. That's what I expected. Like there's no winning with expectations. It's like, ah, I prefer it works out this way, but you know what? I don't have, all the information in the universe, right? I don't have his plan. Uh, mm -hmm. All I do have is access to the present moment. And, you know, again, like I mentioned, futuristics, one of my strengths, I can catch myself rushing through things I actually love doing to get to something I hate, right? Or it's a strong word, right. dislike. And yeah. That's why. <laughs> I feel point? like Where's I'm the, the kind of person that? who looks forward to the future. And once I'm there, I'm like, okay, what's next? Like, I don't ever take the time and when I was in therapy, I even told this to my therapist. I was like, I, I'm like, I'm so excited to get where we're going. And then once we're going on board, there we're on board. And I'm like, what's next? Like, I'm constantly in a state of agitation about where I'm at because I want whatever next, no matter how much I looked forward to being in that spot on the way there. You ever read any Eckhart Tolle? No, should I? Is that my homework assignment? Yeah, I might get into that. He likes to go super deep, but really powerful. The power of now, new earth, or stillness speaks. Like any of those are pretty phenomenal. If it okay. means anything to anyone, new earth was on Oprah's book list. Not sure why they put that on Kindle to tell you, but there you have it. Okay. One of the things he really talks about is like, he talks about the ego really well and just accepting like the isness of the present moment is a really cool gift we can give ourselves. You know, whatever it is, is no matter whatever story I make up about it. And it's always the stories of the ego that get us sideways, you know, telling us, you know, we should be this. 
And if we get this thing, then we'll be okay. If we get rid of this thing, we'll be okay. And I don't need anything to be okay. I'm okay by default, you know, Mm -hmm. because happiness is inside us always. It can just get covered up by a lot of stuff that just isn't true. Are you saying our ego isn't good? Like, is there no good characteristics or to the ego like that help us? Like it might be helpful sometimes. There's probably a healthy side. And I'm talking about the narcissistic ego, like Mm. that dark side of us that we think we need to hide and act like it doesn't exist. Right. Like the part Mm -hmm. where you're celebrating others defeat, right. Or whatever. Schadenfreude. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Great word. But, but there's like ego blending, right? Like I want to blend with that energy. I want all of my energy directed at what I do want, because whatever I'm focused on, that's, you know, what's going to expand and energy always flows to the path of least resistance, right? That's water flows downhill. Mm. And if the least amount of resistance is me accepting these false stories of the ego that I'm not enough, you're not enough, we're not enough, it's not enough, whatever. If that's what I accept, that's the path of least resistance. And that's why I keep getting the same patterns of behavior that I probably don't want. Mm. This makes me think of something that I heard you say in another one of your episodes, that overthinking will lead to sadness. And I said that. You did say What was I talking about? You but said I, I think that's a good point. You you were what you is, were um, referencing a, a quote from Thoreau that it's not what you look at it it's, it's what you see. Mm. Well, think about it. Like there's another really cool author I like to read. His name's Anthony DeMello. And he gosh, what did he say? He said, the the way to love is one of his really well-known books. It's awesome. He's also got one called Awareness. It's pretty good. I think that's the name of it. But he said something to the effect of, it's not the people around you, the places you're in that make you happy or unhappy. Mm-hmm. It's the thinking in your head. Mm. Because we could be in the same situation and having two completely different experiences because of the thoughts and then the emotional yeah. reaction to the thoughts. Like, you know, I told you about my brother a little bit and my brother's awesome. He's one of my best friends and my hero. He's two years older than me. But I always joke with him. I'm like, dude, you're born like 70 years old. You know, he's like wise and mature and boring, right? No, he, yeah. he's awesome. But like he loves to fish, right? And he called me. He was telling me about this like three-day fishing thing in like Cabo San Lucas with his friends. And he's like, and they got done. I was like, I'm sorry, dude. I nodded it off as soon as you said fishing. What were we talking about, right? Because like fishing is the opposite of fun to me. And that's okay. Like we don't have to like all the same things. I love that you said like he was born 70 because there are people in my life that you can just tell they're an old soul. Dude, they seem to have bo- been born with more experiences than a newborn. <laughs> Dude, he's just so good at life. I'm like, how are you so good at life? Like even his baby pictures, he's got this like adult serious, like, <laughs> like he could tell he's just like, what's everybody's problem? Yeah, <laughs> like. I'm curious about this poll that how you find out your talents. Where does someone go to take that test, that poll to find out their talents and also the bottom floor of their talents, the weaknesses. Sure. So Gallup is phenomenal with this assessment. It's amazing. Their online communication is super confusing and frustrating and not functional. So okay, forgive me in advance if you have trouble. But it used to be called Strength Finders. In the middle of the pandemic, they rebranded it to Clifton Strengths Assessment for no reason except okay. to change the name, which that's what you do when you have a great product, right? You change the name so right. nobody can find it. If you Google Clifton Strengths Assessment, it'll get you there. Or you can buy the book Strength Funders 2.0 from Amazon and they give you the assessment as part of the book. Uh-huh. But I can give you a link to go to. 
if you oh, want perfect. to drop in the show notes that for I folks. Put in the show notes. Okay, I'll get that link. Yeah, and there's two versions. There's like, and it's not a complete portrait of your character. Like not Myers Briggs is right like mm -hmm. hey here's you right yeah this is your natural talents the natural patterns of behavior we have the most energy and directed in the proper way you know the the most abundant results mm -hmm. and what it looks like when you give it all away information is great but you have to know how to use that information so say i get it back and it was like okay these are my five strengths like how would i learn how to use it is that something is do people come to you and say or do you, is, do you, everybody who works with you take this assessment and you teach them how to use their strengths or what, what they're like, digs? I'm just trying to figure that out. Sure. Well, they give you like a pretty extensive report and they have a decent okay. podcast too, where they explain it. But I mean, oh, if you get around okay. a coach, it, it's going to help tremendously too, Okay. because, you know, you could give me a guitar and I could smash it like Garth Brooks and I could make sounds with it, but it's not music. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you give it to Jimi Hendrix, if he was still alive, same as that guitar, right. Mm -hmm. He's going to make some pretty cool stuff come out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with string finders, it's the same thing. Like it's the art of you, but you got to understand how to play it, right. How to play your notes. Like how are you bringing whatever your art is into the world and different coaches are going to do it different ways. It's not better or worse, mm -hmm. but just, you know, find, find a way to get this information inside of you because this is your superpowers right here. And it's wild because, you know, I've worked with like thousands of people with this tool through groups and one-on-one -on -one and yeah seminars and all that. And I'm high performers. I'm like, Hey, tell me your top strengths again. And they start looking through their phone or looking through their computer or whatever. So if you have this cheat sheet to what your greatest level of performance can look like, don't you think you should take the time to memorize it at least? Cause it's only a few. Like what if we met like Superman and he had to look through his phone to tell us before he could, you know, Oh my God, I can fly. Look, it says right here. Sorry, I put like my cape on. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The jokes are free. You guys. So get your money's worth here. Um, <laughs> the whole podcast free. So if you don't like it, fuck off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so Let's talk about how you work with people because there are going to be people who are listening and be like, I need more of that voice. I don't care in which, how it happens. I'm going to need more of that voice. So how do you work with individuals? How do you work with teams or companies? Sure. So I do a little bit of one-on-one, -on -one, not very much, but okay. I have a mastermind group for oh, okay. you know leaders that are really looking to get around a community, other leaders that want to go further, faster. And then uh, I actually have another group called the Quantum Leap Creators. That's a little more of a gateway offer. And so we do a group coaching twice a month on that and just get like-minded folks on like-minded journeys together so that we can really, you know, create a more positive and productive impact in the world together. And I mean, on my site, kevinkeppel.us, there's like a free download too, if you want to get better at relationships, because, you know, like as much as I love people, I don't want to be around them sometimes. Right. But you know what? Like connection is one of our most fundamental needs as humans. Mm -hmm. And I definitely can't do it all. I'm good at a very finite amount of things. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for people who, you know, help me get to where I want to be. Because if it was up to me to like code my website, like I would have like <laughs> probably taken my own life years ago. Right. All right. So kevinkeppel.us and on there, they can find the quantum leap and they can find the yeah. go further faster and you can send me a link for the strengths assessment. And, and so going forward, people can find out whatever they want about themselves through that and then work with you to have it go even farther. That sounds good to me. I've, I've also got a free masterclass that I do. Oh, okay. It's a 
if you kevinkeppel.us slash own your genius. Own your and genius. And we do it most weeks. And, uh, you know, it's really just uh, offer some of the ideas that we talked about to people and to give people a space to share. And, you know, we're all in this thing together, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just like you, like I want to help. And, you know, I've had a lot of people really help me along my journey. And mm-hmm. thank God for coaches and mentors because right. that's what has gotten me so much further, so much faster every time. So and, you know, it doesn't have to be me. I don't have the market cornered on great coaching for sure. Right. But, you know, find somebody that resonates with you and, you know, make the investment. It's so worth it. Well, I've always said that if you want to get good at something or if you need help with something, you need a coach, no matter what it is. When writing my TED my Ted, hopefully TEDx talk. I hired a coach writing my book. I hired a coach, you know, I just, I can only stick in my zone of genius and some of it is not what other coaches do. So that's why you have to hire a coach. So if this sounds amazing to you and you're like, yes, I need more Kevin. I need to find out my strengths and how to use them and go further faster. And I need, of course, that voice in my life. I will put connections to everything, Kevin, in the show notes. And thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Julie Brown. You're awesome. And I would highly suggest you guys look her up. She'll take you anywhere you want to go. She's pretty badass if y'all haven't figured that out by now. So definitely a level 10 human. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. Once y'all get over this guy's voice, I'm going to jump into some of the nuggets of wisdom I got in this interview. And that first one came right at the top. When he quoted Peter Drucker, who said, there is nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which shouldn't be done at all. This made me think, yeah, there is shit I do probably every day in my business that I'm pretty damn efficient at. That is absolutely not serving me or my business. So what if I sat down and could identify not my inefficiencies, but the stupid shit I do really efficiently? That made me think. The other thing that he said is the one constant we have is change. Without it, we'd be living a Groundhog Day kind of life. And I don't know about you, but that sounds terrible. So as much as change can be scary, let's embrace it. Because otherwise, it would just be a repetition of the same. And that would get stale and boring. We'd be totally fucking bored. Another nugget was trust, connection, and vision. If I don't trust you or feel connected to you, I certainly won't feel connected to your vision. I just won't give a shit about it. So turn this around on yourself. Have you created enough trust in your relationships, in the teams you lead, so that people feel connected to you and want to help you with your vision? That one was an interesting one. Okay, then the last one. Be more intentional about being kind over being right. I'm not going to lie. This one is and will be difficult for me. You see, I'm a last word kind of person. I do believe that I look at life as a glass half empty, not a glass full half full most of the time. I blame my upbringing for a lot of this. But I've started. I've started to try and look at all situations differently. And I will say, I'm an insane bit happier not being right all the time, just letting shit go, going, you know, not my monkeys, not my circus. Anyways, on to the drink of the week, which is probably the first time I am not going to even remotely try to make the cocktail. But its name went so well with the episode that I just had to include it. 
The name of the cocktail is Awesome Sauce, which I found on Pinterest. Here's what you're going to need. One and a half ounces of Blanco tequila. This is why I'm not going to make it. Four ounces of spicy, bloody Mary mix. Again, this is why I'm never going to make this recipe. I hate cold tomatoes. So no bloody Mary mix, no gazpacho, no fresh tomatoes, none of that shit. I only eat tomatoes cooked and hot. Okay, moving right along. A splash of chipotle sauce, half an ounce of lime juice, half an ounce of orange juice. Now, there weren't really any directions. It was just picture on Pinterest. So I'm assuming you're going to build this all together in a cocktail shaker, shake it around, and then pour everything, including the ice, into a pint glass. And then I'm assuming you're going to garnish it with some bacon or cocktail shrimp or mini burgers or pickles or whatever fucking crazy shenanigans you Bloody Mary people get up to nowadays. I'll never have one, so I won't know. All right, friends. That's all for this week. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please remember to share the post to help it reach a larger audience. If you want more Julie Brown, I mean, and why wouldn't you? You can find my book, This Shit Works, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. There's a link to it in the show notes. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Julie Brown BD. Just let me know where you found me when you reach out. And I am Julie Brown underscore BD on the Instagram. Or you can just pop on over to my website juliebrownbd.com. And as always, until next week, cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works. <laughs>